gentlemen, my brothers and my sisters, it is Brother Solis live with another episode of Coffee and the Truth. And y'all know I came with the squad, my brothers from the same mothers, I think, Mr. Hall, Mr. Elliot. How's it going, my vibes? What's up? We're going to jump into scripture off this back. I want to read a scripture to y'all, and I want to talk about what y'all think it is or what it may be. It's found in Luke 9, verse 57 through 62. I'm reading out of the NLT version. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Reading the scripture at first glance, it seems it's very harsh off the back. It seems like Jesus is. And some opinions being self-centered. Like if he doesn't care about your life. Problems, for lack of a better word. Or what you have to take care of in life. What do you think he's doing here, Brother Hall? I think he's really just trying to, to let them know that, like, if you're, if I'm not a, if I'm not your number one, then don't even don't even try. Like, Brother Elliot, what do you what do you feel? I mean, it's reading that, taking that from a young person. How does how does that make you feel about your walk? Like, I mean, because I'm I mean, pretty sure you have life problems. I guess we can say right, mm-hmm. and you got things that you need to take care of. Mm-hmm. But hearing that as a young person, what you're 14 years old, yeah. I would like to know your honest opinion. Like, how do you take that? Because I'm I'm 30 years old, so I may look at it different than what you were. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course I could take it as, oh, Jesus is supposed. To, I mean, of course he is supposed to be the number one, right? But if we don't watch ourselves, we can make Jesus the one that's so self-centered. But in reality, it's us and it's our flesh. And so I realize that. But we sometimes we can say we want a relationship with God, but then when it comes to putting stuff down, we're not willing to do it. You know, we want to go with the, we want to go with the heart, but of course we know the scripture says that a heart is deceitful. That's what I think. Above all things, and who yes. can know it? As I'm reading this and I'm preparing, I heard a comment. One of the sisters was talking to my wife, and I tried my best to, when I get off of work, I run two miles. 
And I said I tried my best because I can't tell y'all every day because, of course, on weekends, Brother Elliot partakes in the suffering with me. <laughs> and on the weekends, I, I can honestly say I don't do it. But I try, and so sister's right here at the house, and she's talking to my wife, and she got me to really think about something. And she says she was listening to a woman, and the woman said, and I don't know who this woman is, so I can't give her credit. I wish I did know who you are. I would have gave you credit because she didn't say the name. She just said that I think it was a devotion she was reading and that the woman stated, we're always looking for the right time. We're always looking to be motivated, but we're never going to be motivated. And I was like, wow, so I go and I'm running. And, of course, when you're running, <laughs> Brother Elliot would know, you start thinking about the first quarter of a mile after that. You're just <laughs> like, oh, man, I, only, I need to get this done. Like, uh -huh. that's all you're worried about. But for some reason, I could not shake this statement out of my mind. And as I'm about halfway through, that's whenever I really feel God wanting me to speak about fighting the enemy of motivation. It sounds very ironic. It really does because... Mm -hmm. The first thing when I say that, I hear NF's got a song called Motivated. I'm motivated. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I knew a guy that said he would go to the gym and he would listen to that, you know. And I'm all like, man, can motivation really be your enemy? It can be if you're, uh, if that's what you're constantly, uh, what it, a lot of times they're looking for certain events to happen and if these events happen i'll get motivated i was talking with um l before this started and i was saying there's a you know a preacher in the upci his name's lee stone king most of the upci people know who he is if you don't know him you can look him up but some people may think oh well if this you know if this preacher lee stone king or uh, David Bernard, all these different uh, names. If they're if they're preaching and they're preaching this specific message and they're preaching this specific message for me, yeah, yeah. Then I then I think I can I can do better. I can I can straighten up. But the thing is, is even if that were to happen, that wouldn't be enough. You got some people that say, okay, well, if I put this uh, I put this water bottle right here, and God knocks his water bottle off of the table without nobody else, yeah, I believe in him. <laughs> But see, people are setting these certain things and these certain signs that they're, but, but again, that's why it's really getting back to uh, the old Testament when people followed after the signs and if they followed after the signs, that meant that, you know, that's, they were following after the Lord, but now we don't follow signs. We just follow him. And that's what I really think Jesus is trying to, trying to bring forth. Like, don't, don't look for these specific times or these specific moments. Just follow. Mm-hmm. You're right, and going back to the scripture, it can very much throw you for a loop if you don't sit down and examine your own life. As I was reading this, I had shared it with my wife. Me and my wife are very open to one another. And 
some can say we're harsh, I guess, but we, we're, we're, we're not trying to be harsh to one another. We're trying to be real with one another. And we partake in, I guess you can call it a devotion because our aim for it, what we do is we read three chapters a day. We write down what scriptures stood out to us, what scriptures spoke to us, what scriptures we need to apply to our life. And we talk about it. And she was a, a little behind. And I'm not trying to put her out there. I'm just being real. She was a little behind. And I told her, you just need to get your priorities in line. And, of course, <laughs> um, we don't like we don't like edification. If there's one thing about the Bible your flesh does not like, it's the edification part. I have not ran into one person that just says, you know what, I want to be wrong, and I want somebody to help me be right. Like, you don't. Automatically... I think when you're born, you're actually, your flesh is just wrapped in what we love to call pride. It is just wrapped in it. It wants recognition. It wants to be the best. It wants to, and this is not the lack of a better word. This is being real. It wants to be God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was just telling her, look, Mariah, you just have to understand that. We're always looking for the convenient time. And we're never going to find it. But if you stop and you look at your day, you know, if you're an iPhone user, I don't know, I think my my um Samsung did it too. It lets you know your report of your screen time. If you're struggling reading your Bible, well, look at your screen time. And this is what I told her. This is how I apply it to my life. I can't read the Bible, but I can get on YouTube and watch YouTube videos for two hours straight. And I'm not condemning. Look, if you're doing that, I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you what I had to look at and what really had to change my perspective of, I cannot go to Jesus with excuses. I'm going to a God with an excuse. Like, think about that. How's that going to work out? And as I was reading this, I shared with her, I said, these are common. These were life's problems. They were. And Jesus wasn't attacking us for having a life. It's not like he's just saying, you know what, Brother Hall, when you follow me, you ain't going to have no life at all. You're going to do what I say, and if you don't, you better hope you're fireproof. No, he's not that type of God. And I know there's guys out there that try to make him be that type of God, but he's not. You know, what I come to find out about this scripture, Brother Elliot, what is fascinating when the Lord showed me, is he's attacking the very root of a common snare that we get entangled in. And that is motivation. We are looking for the perfect sermon. We're looking for the perfect preacher. We're looking yeah. for that perfect timing, that perfect worship song. You know, if they just just played to worship you, I live, I will go up to the front and I will give, I will give my all. We are driven by motivation, and that's mm-hmm. ultimately what's killing us. It is poison. And we think it's an antidote. It is poison to us. And that's what Jesus is telling these people. Think about it. If this man did go bury his father, you don't think that another life excuse is going to pop up? Let's be real. It's going to pop up. The other day, I told Brother Elliot I wasn't going to run. It was, I think it was like a Monday or something like that. Yeah. I told him I wasn't going to run. And I was dead serious. I came home. I passed up his house. I didn't even dare to stop because I said, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to relax. And I got to my double doors here, and I said, you have to do it. 
You have to do it. And I did. I put on my clothes I said, and, I, and I ran. I was not motivated because motivation is ultimately going to last for so long and it's going to die. Mm-hmm. And when it dies, then you die. As I was getting, preparing for this, I looked up a study because New Year, the New Year's rolling in. And by the way, Happy New Year's because I think our next podcast will be next year. So, yeah. man, it's going to be a year away, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but Happy New Year's to y'all. Hope the Merry Lord Christmas. blesses y'all. Merry oh, Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas and pray through. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to what I was saying here. If I'm looking for that right timing to start this new re- New Year's resolution, help me out here. Is that how you say it? Yes, New Year's resolution. And it's on New Year's, right? That's the perfect timing. Oh, you know, New Year, New Me. That's the same. You got to be cautious because as I was looking up, uh, up that, only 98, no, only 2%. Out of 100, only 2% people actually keep it their, their goal. 2% of people. That means 98% of people, they, they drop it. Why? Because they're motivated. It's a new year. It's rolling in. And it's motivated. I know how it is, guys. All right? When I was out there, I was a rapper. The new year was always, oh, you know what? This I'm, I'm going to go hard this year. I'm going to do and, and, man, dude, it'll be the same thing like last year. Why? Because life happens. And you get caught up in, in, in whatever, whatever, and, and you don't because motivation only lasts so long. But now a lifestyle is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like uh, Brother Hall. You know, Brother Hall's fit, guys, all right? Don't, don't let him deceive you, okay? He's pretty fit. But he has made working out a lifestyle. Because if you don't make it a lifestyle and you make it about motivation, you're only going to last about two weeks. It's easy, even as a man, you look at these magazines about, man, I was, I was actually looking up uh, Christmas shirts. All right, guys, I, I do stuff like that. Okay. I'm looking for a Christmas outfit. And all the guys on there, I remember the hall, they're buff. Yeah. And you're looking like, man, you know, I want to get ripped. Like, that would be, be pretty cool. My brother, my brother, I'm going to put his name out there. My brother, Joel, has been working out, man, I think for, I'm going to say eight months. He started, I think he said, at 186 or or could be a little more. And this dude goes hard, like, every day. I'm not lying. When I say three hours, I'm probably on the short end. He And this is, like, every day for this man. He's always texting me his results or texting me how long he did this. And he, he has a mountain climber. So, you know, that's, like, a whole body workout right there. Yeah. And he goes in, and he dropped down to he's in one fifty something right now, dude. Eight months of consistent workout, eight months. If you're not prepared for that mindset that you're in it for the long haul, that's what motivation is. It's a short term goal. But you want it to be a lifetime deal. It does not work like that. Motivation only lasts so long. Mm -hmm. And I have the privilege for the last four years to be youth pastor. I have. And one of the common occurrence that I see 
and our young people is we have these conferences for them. Some of them 40,000 people, some of them 5,000 people, you know, other on the lower end. But our main goal is to get young people on fire for God, living for God, getting back up from their falls, whatever the case is that they're battling. Our main goal is to help them. And a common occurrence that I see is that if young people, if you're listening, be cautious that you're not driven by the, the C's. Because we got NAYC, we got HYC, we got TYC, and we got CC. <laughs> we got all these C's, and all the C is a conference or a congress at the end of them. Be cautious that you're not driven by the next conference. I see young people. And it's sad to say, one of the saddest things that I got to witness in youth pastoring is people turning 18 or 17 and don't want to live for God no more. And what's hard about it is because you have people that have been to these conferences and they walk away and you're in the hotel room and they're telling you, you know, Brother Solis, you know, I'm cutting this off. I deleted this off my phone. You know, I'm living for God. When I go back home, I'm letting my parents know whatever. I'm going to church. I'm going to church. And three months later, they're, they're, they're not in church. And that's the saddest thing that I, as a, as a youth pastor, that I had to witness because that's not my goal. But you got to examine your heart. If you're looking for motivation in this, in this walk, it's not going to happen. Jesus was picking the most inconvenient time to ask people to follow him. Peter's on the clock, exhausted. They fished all night. All night they fished and caught nothing. They're coming home, washing nets. And then Jesus says, at the most inconvenient time, hey, let's go back out there. Shout out to Pastor Sanchez because I didn't know this. I didn't know at the time they used nets during the day that would the fish could see, so it would scare them away. That's why they fished at night. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So right then and there, Jesus telling Peter to go fishing during the day was abnormal, inconvenient. But Peter says, I will go. We, we, we know the, the testimony there. They got so much fish that it's, it, it's about sinking the boat, right? And then Jesus will tell him to do something crazy. Follow me. What up? I've been up all night. I'm exhausted from that. Now I'm exhausted because we're reeling in so much fish. I'm exhausted because I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get the boat back because it's sinking with how much fish we got. And then you want me to follow you. Then we talk about the woman at the well, right? Because we love the, the revelation that Jesus Christ gives her. And I'm going to just throw this little footnote. It's sad that Jesus had to reveal who he was to a woman that wasn't even supposed to be part of him. But the people that were supposed to be part of him couldn't have, man, that, that's a sad story. But either way, this woman is at the well. At the most inconvenient time, Jesus is going to tell her to do something. Why does it seem that Jesus has this inconvenient timing with us? Even Matthew. Matthew's at work, on the clock, racking in the dollars. 
And Jesus is going to tell him, follow me. Why is it? Why is he finding the most inconvenient time? Because Nike actually has has a saying that just, works. Just do it. Just do it. Really, Elliot, if you would have waited for the perfect time to play the drums, do you think that you would have learned what you know now? You're never going to yeah. find that perfect timing. You're never going to find that perfect song. You're never going to find that perfect preaching. I, look, I'm not throwing shades. I know how it is. When I first started this walk, man, I was listening to preaching all the time. And I was trying to, whatever you do to grow, grow. Okay? But there had to come a time in my life where I'm not doing it because that's my motivation. I'm doing it because he's my motivation. Yeah. And that's what Jesus is doing. We're never going to find the perfect timing. Life is full of excuses. I work. Like me, it's, it, it's uh, ironic. I like pick the most inconvenient time to go work out. Most of the guys that I, you know, talk to, they always do it in the morning. Here I am, I go to work, and then I do it, and I get off of work. The reason I say that, because how many people would want to go home and they want to work? Most people want to kick off their boots, you know, relax their feet, their backs hurting, whatever. They don't want to do all that. I, I just picked it because I realized it works better for me. Well, I mean, to be honest, um, I think it, it, can, it can work when you're doing it that way, too, just because your, your heart rate's already up, so you don't got to really try to stretch and do all of that. Like, you're already good. Yeah, already you're good. already limber. Ready, good to go. But it's full of excuses. So, first excuse I can make, well, I just worked a 10-hour shift. Now I'm wearing steel toe boots that are uncomfortable on my feet. My back, I hurt my back when I was 23. Oh, my back hurts. And I'm not telling you real excuses because they, that I have to fight these excuses every time I go running. Because my feet do hurt. I got some kind of heel problem. You know, if I don't wear the right insoles, it will kill me. My back, it does. Right now, it's hurting. But the deal is, I have to know that I, as a human being, not one that's filled with the Holy Ghost, this flesh is full of excuses. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if you read the Bible, Jesus tries to help us with that and tries to point things at us. I mean, we'll point out things in us to help us understand. You can be killed. Or you can miss out on your calling because of excuses. But I learned, even on, on the podcast, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again since we're on the topic. Brother Elliot was the one that whipped out his phone and recorded our first podcast off of his phone. Why? Because Brother Solis was looking for the right timing. I needed the right equipment. I needed the right this. I needed the right that. And Brother Elliot's all like, well, let's just do it. Yep. And here we are, you know, working and going into our third season. And it started by somebody simply saying, you know what? Let's kick excuses out the door and let's just do it. And that's what I say about Nike. Nike, I, I don't mean to take your deal, but. Well, it's also like KB's song. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to just do it. Well, and you know, something that I like that you uh, talked about, it, it reminded me of what uh, my pastor Chandler would say from my home church, he would say that it's like when you're going to the doctor and you have an appointment, what happens if you miss that appointment? If you show up an hour, two hours late, is the doctor still going to see you? They're like, no, you're going to have to schedule another appointment. <laughs> wow. So, like so there's an appointment that God has for you. If God's 
if God's trying to deal with you, maybe it's about praying more. Maybe it's about studying your Bible. Maybe he's trying to tell you, hey, these things you're doing, you shouldn't be doing. And you need to lay them down. And then you fight it. Maybe you won't, maybe you won't hear God's voice for another month. And then you fight it again. Well, maybe it's going to go on six months. Then you fight it again and may go on a year. The thing is, you don't know when that next appointment's going to come. But if you're hearing God speak to you now, that means, okay, I need to put this stuff away because you don't know when that next appointment's going to come. You don't know when that next, the next time that God's going to speak to you about it. Or you don't even know if you're going to have, people say that, uh, well, maybe when NAYC comes, which NAYC is every two years if you don't know. Uh, and it's usually that's really big conference. But they're like, oh, well, maybe that next NAYC. What if you don't live to that next NAYC? What if a car wreck? What You don't know. That's why, that's why we're saying just do it. It's, it may be hard. You may mess up. But the best time to do it is right now. Because anytime you say tomorrow, tomorrow never comes. Anytime you say, well, maybe next week. Next week never comes. Anytime you say, well, maybe next month. Next month never comes. Just start right now. I've talked to my wife about that. She'll, uh, and, and even when we get into talking about motivation, this may be kind of repeating somewhat, but I let her know, babe, you're, you're probably not going to see the results right away. And I said, by the time you see the results, it'll be, it'll be a drastic change. Like with, cause she's, she's changing her eating. She's changing the portions that she's eating. So I said, usually people will notice the results before you do. And by the time you notice them, it's going to be like a big drastic change. Like it'll probably be like a 50 pound, whatever dis difference by the time you start noticing the change. But I said, what you got to do is you got to be able to motivate yourself. When I motivated myself to go to start working out again, what happened was this was the lowest time of my life. I had, of course, uh, survived the sexual abuse that I went through. I had, um, I had a fiance that left me and uh, didn't really have any closure in that. So I was hurting. I was really low. And I had just begun to think, I don't want when people are looking back at me, I don't want them or God or whoever. I didn't, I don't want someone to see me and see that I just wallowed in my own self-pity. I want to do something. And that's when I started saying, okay, you know what? I know I'm, I may be weighing in at like 120 or something like that, but I'm going to start going to the gym. I want to get to where I'm, I'm, I'm bulking up and where I'm weighing about like 160, 150. And, and now that's about what I weigh. And that's because, and that's from consistency. That was from working out six days a week, working out uh, probably almost an hour every single time and eating twice of what I would normally eat, which some people say, oh, that's easy. But think about, you think about how much you normally eat and double that and say that that's easy. That ain't easy. It feels like you're gorging yourself. And the stuff I ate, it was white, it was white rice, broccoli, and, and probably a couple chicken breasts every single meal. Like that ain't that ain't easy stuff to eat, but I forced myself to eat it. I would have two of those meals in my work. I would eat one on one break, and then I would eat one on the next break. So, like that's how I was. That's how I was doing it, and that's why I was able to build, and I was able to bulk up in the way I did. But that's because I did not want to be. I didn't want to be someone that was just wallowing in my own self pity. That was just going down and just being sad all the time. I was like, no, I'm gonna do something. I don't want to, because if you're making yourself look better. 
you're not going to feel bad. You're going to feel better. And that's how, and that was my way of thinking about it. And that's what you have to do. If you're, if you're thinking, man, uh, I just, I don't know, but, but you're not doing anything all the day. If you're not doing anything, your body's not going to want to do anything. That's uh, I, when I was researching about this, um, I thought one of the things that stood out to me was one, uh, one side had said Newton's first law is like anything, an object in motion will stay in motion an object at rest will stay at rest. So you don't do nothing all the time. You ain't going to want to do nothing all the time. If you start doing something, then you're going to want to do something. That's how it works. It's awesome that you say that because one of my characteristics, and this is what I told you, I'm not going to preach something you I don't preach at myself. One of my characteristics is laziness. It is. And I found this out. I had the privilege of breaking my foot, was it like two years ago? And it was a privilege. Because in this, God revealed a whole lot to me that I had within my heart, as Brother Elliot brought up, that heart is deceitful. And I didn't know my heart, but he did, and he had my foot broken. That's why I say it was a, a great privilege. It was like, a, it's a testimony of mine. Since it was my foot, of course, you can't be on your, your foot all the time. You know, your, your feet take your whole weight, basically, of your body. Yeah. So I had to had it have it elevated all the you know all the stuff that the doctors tell you I was doing. Most of the time I was asleep, and I'll wake up, probably stay up for like an hour and sleep again. I was sleep most of the day away when it first happened, and I was still tired. And that's when I realized like your characteristic is lazy. And it's, it's odd because if my boss was probably here, he, he would think something different because if he needs me to stay late, I will stay late. If he needs me to go in on Saturday, I'll go in on Saturday, stuff like that. And the only reason I do that is because I, I know if I don't, I won't. My back was completely, I mean, hurting. I told my boss, I said, I ain't going to lie, my whole back hurts. I don't know why it's killing me. I just want you to know in case, you know, I'm going a little slow. I was in bed tossing and turning no no matter what position I was in. I just could not get comfortable. And I was very tempted to grab my phone and text my boss and say, I'm having back problems. I can't go in because he already knows. But I got up and I said, you know what? I guarantee you it's because I'm lazing about in this bed. I had missed church that night because my wife had an incident with her. I had to take her to the hospital or whatever. And so I I was resting with her. I was laying in bed, you know, with her, making sure she was all right and all that good stuff. And I guess my body being in that position so much, it was hurting my back. When I got up and I started going, this is the crazy deal, is when I started working, by the towards the noontime, my back was good. And that's what it is. I have to know that's my characteristic. I have to fight that. So motivation is not going to overcome laziness. Motivation will never overcome laziness. Laziness will eat the mess out of motivation any day. It can take it in any fight. I got to do it because you know what? I know that if I don't, I won't. Mm -hmm. And I got to just push. And that's what we have to do. To get rid of motivation, I wish I had some great theology to give you. I wish I had something divine from God to give you. It's something that... 
will blow your mind and you're going to share this on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, you every every person you come into. I wish I did. But all I have to give you, if you want to fight motivation, get up and do something, whatever it is. If it's God's calling you to preach, do something about it. If God's calling you to go deeper into his word, do it. If God's calling you to start outreaching or get involved in out, whatever it is, it's not going to be the perfect time. It's not when your pastor comes and asks you. It's not whenever you go to another conference. It's only going to happen when you get up and you do what Peter does and say, yeah, I will follow you at the most inconvenient time. Thank you for sharing that, Brother Hall. It just is just awesome. Just that man never ceases to amazes me. Um, just the most inconvenient time of his life, he would make a, a awesome decision, a great decision. The most inconvenient time. And that's what we're gonna have to find out in this walk. It's not in the right timing. Mm-hmm. It's in the inconvenient timing that God is gonna use you. I wanted to. I don't. Try to end probably with with this scripture because Brother uh, Solis had the, had a scripture and I had I had a couple too. This one is Colossians chapter three verses twenty two through twenty four. Scripture reads: It says, "Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in the singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord." You shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And the reason why I put that is that's, I've talked with my wife, and she's asked, like, how are you able to work in the way you do, or how do you, uh, how do you not uh, get stressed out and everything is, I work for the Lord. I, I even told this to my boss um, when I first got hired with HEB, it was Central Market, but Central Market's owned by HEB, and Uh, I told my manager straight up, I think my first month there, I said, hey, I don't work for you. I work for the Lord. So like, and I said, I'm like, I know that God's put you in a position to hire me and everything. I said, but I work for him. So I know if he's pleased, you're pleased. And that's, and that's my way of thinking about it. I don't work to try to please them. So that's why if I walk by, if I see something and, uh, and I didn't do it and my manager like, hey, why didn't you do that? I don't have an excuse. I'm like, hey, yeah, you're right. I saw it and I didn't get it done. That's all me. And I, and that's what I do. I take that because I know if it was my fault, it was my fault. I don't try to make an excuse as, oh, this person didn't do it. This person didn't do it. And if I have to stay late to try to help out another partner, that's what I do. Just because I I can't be like somebody else that uh, is just like, oh, well, that ain't my job kind of thing. It's like, no. And especially if you're working in an apartment, you're all a team. And that's how, and that's how I see it. And we're working together, even though uh, some people are a little slower. Sometimes you got to help them, but that's how I think about it. And it, yeah, it's frustrating. But when you just, when you just let go of all of that and you just see it as I'm working for the Lord, I'm not trying to please, I'm not trying to please my manager as though my manager may get onto me. Uh, my assistant manager may get onto me. My boss above them may get onto me. I'm not working for them. Thank you, brother Hall. Thank you, Brother Elliot. Thank you, my vibers, for tuning in. As we said, Merry Christmas to y'all. Happy New Year. And stay alert 
of that old trap of motivation. Stay vibing, stay pushing, keep striving. All gas, no brakes. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We're out.